during praise and worship, a wave, it started on the other side of that wall, and she said, and I saw it come through here, and it came right through the drum room and right, right across, all the way across, came right across the entire congregation while we were worshiping. She said it was awesome, just this huge wave, and it came, came across the congregation, and, and the congregation stood strong. And God said, they can't receive me and my move because they're not broken. See, you think you're strong. I'll watch you during worship. It, 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 you you got to understand something. It's really hard for, for you know, I wish, I wish I had the spirit of Joel Osteen. Really, what an awesome guy. What, a, what an awesome guy because, you know, he's just such an encourager and, and, and you know, and uh, this is your best day. It's going to be all right. But, uh, I, and I have this other anointing. I have this other anointing that says, you know what? I'm, I refuse to let you sit in the second chair, in the chair of compromise. Well, you, you know, you've got to be careful because if you're not real careful, you know, you're not going to need a bigger building. You're not going to need multiple services. Because people can only take so much of you, Tom. You getting up in their stuff. I'm here today to get in your junk. Because we're not broken. And, and you, you're not worshiping. You're, you're singing songs. That's if your lips are moving. And then you end up getting this mindset that, well, I guess the promises of God aren't really real. And that's a second chair mentality. Remember, the first chair is the chair of commitment. The second chair is the chair of compromise. And the third chair is the chair of conflict. You, you know, we can call it to be complacent. But if you're complacent, it's not long till you're in conflict. You're in conflict with God. You're, in, you're at war with God. And I'm hoping that you're not at war with God today. If you are, we're not even going to let you out of the building till you surrender. But most of us, and, and, and you know, hey, we started fasting, and uh, you know, and I started a little early praying for the body, and, and and we started getting somewhere in the spirit, and all of a sudden, revelation, insight, and understanding starts flowing, and, and I just, and I recognize that, you know, what I what I have to do as your pastor, as your coach, I got to come in here and tell you, you're you're bigger than you're living. That God wants you to reach higher than you're reaching. That God wants you to be in deeper pursuit than you've ever been in your life. And instead of taking a blanket and, and covering up the stuff that ain't right in your life and, and making compromise for it, we need to allow God to deal with us. We need to get broken in the presence of God. You'll remember that there were, there were, there were ten uh, lepers, and, and in their day and age, when, the, you know, when someone would approach a leper, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, because you couldn't get within so many feet uh, of a leper. And, and that, was their, that, that was the way, you know, that was their lifestyle, that's their culture. And one day, Jesus is coming by, and instead of yelling, unclean, unclean, they, they, they yell out something different. They, they yell out, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And Jesus turned to him, and he looked at him, and he said, Go and show thyself to the priest. The Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. They got up and they started on the journey. And as they went, they were cleansed. I just want to point out to you today that sometimes the answer to your prayer, the breakthrough occurs as you enter into obedience. As you start, when you start moving, when you start taking steps, as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. What an amazing thing, you know, to, to just 
recognize something different is happening and, and to cry out with a different cry. Not the same old cry. But to put a draw on, on you know, the healing power of a loving Father. Have mercy and, and, and then to take those steps and to start moving out and to, to, get, to get a life-changing reaction. They were cleansed. One of them came back. Remember the story? One of them returned. One of them came back and, and glorified God and gave thanks. And Jesus asked him, where are the rest? And uh, I'm the only one. Jesus looks at him and he said, Be thou whole. Can I tell you that there's a difference between living cleansed and living whole? Well, I'm saved. That's awesome. But why not have God life? Why settle for I'm going to heaven when you could have victory on this earth? Why settle for my sins are forgiven when you could have intimate relationship with the creator of the universe? See, I think that a lot of us in the church that what we've done is we've settled for the fact that we responded. We had a life-changing experience. Then we just went on with life and we're going through life cleansed. We don't have any breakthrough. We don't have any victory. We don't have any real testimony. We make statements to people that we serve God, that we love God. Oh, I love God with all my heart. I just love the Lord. How much time have you spent in prayer? Well... I just love the Lord. Been a little busy for prayer, though. I love the Word of God. The Word of God. I love the Word of God. What have you been reading? What do you mean? I love the Word of God. But I've been a little busy. Got a lot of stuff on my plate right now. I think we've deceived ourselves. We've grown comfortable in a chair of compromise. But in order for God to have the freedom to do what He longs to do in our life, we have to crawl up out of that chair. We've got to get a backbone. We don't have to defeat a devil. We have to defeat our flesh. We have to understand that, you know what, this isn't just a diet that we're on. We've been called to fast. We're going to do a 21-day fast. And I know that for some of you, it's the very first fast you've ever done. And, and, and you struggle and, and uh, you know, and you feel like a failure because you set yourself to fast. And then you wake up and suddenly, you know, it's in the middle of the night. And, and uh, you had gone to bed earlier, but you wake up, it's the middle of the night. You're in the car. You're in the drive through of Burger King. Mayonnaise and ketchup is smeared across your face. And there's an empty bag of french fries in your lap. And you're thinking, how did I get here? Don't worry about that. Just... Get back to the house and clean yourself. Start again. 
you know, it's crazy when you start fasting because at first, you know, it's a learned behavior. You have to, you have to develop the skill. You gotta, you gotta get good at it. Because when you first start, all you can think about is food. I remember a couple years ago, two or three years ago, when we finally had to, from the pulpit, had to come in and tell the whole congregation, knock it off. Meeting out in the hallways with your Daniel fasting cookbook, planning, to, and the first thing that was on our mind was a trip to IHOP at 12.01 a.m. on the 22nd. Well, if all you're thinking about is food, it's kind of missing the point, isn't it? But, I mean, you've got to grow and you've got to get yourself there. But, but, but we're called as a body to fast. Man, that's the first chair movement right there. You know, to voluntarily starve yourself. Why in the world would we do that? Well, because we're called to. Well, do we have to fast? No, you do not have to fast. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him it's voluntary. Fasting is voluntary. So is prayer. So is giving. All acts of obedience are voluntary. Jesus told his guys, when you fast, when you give, when you pray, he didn't say if. He said when. So there's a pretty good chance if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to be in a fast. We're in one now. And we're not trying to manipulate God and get him to do what we want. That's not, that's not effective. That's what Jezebel did. She fasted in hopes that a landowner would die and her and her husband could reap the benefit of his property. That, that's the wrong fast. That's not what God is looking for. It's not your opportunity to go to God and tell him what you want. This is what I need. There, there, we, have the, we have the right to believe God for some things, but not the right to tell him how to do it. Matter of fact, we're not asking for the opportunity to tell God what to do, but we're actually looking for the opportunity for us to hear God tell us what we're to do. We're pressing in. Why are we pressing in? Because there's something in our life that is not as good as it could be. There's something in our relationship that's not as deep as it should be. There's something about our walk with God that we want deeper. We're hungry for more of Him. We don't want to just sing it. It's a cry that comes out of our innermost being. Jesus, I'm desperate. Jesus, I'm, I'm desperate. And you know, I, I just got to tell you that a lot of us haven't quite reached that point where we're actually desperate. It's just a lyric right now. But I'm praying for you that you get to a place that is actually a heart cry. I'm I refuse to live separated from your best for my life, your best for my house, your best for my future. I believe that God has something for you that is so much greater, so much bigger, so much stronger than anything that you've ever seen before that you need to go after it with everything you've got. Jesus said in Matthew 6, He said, When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them. Well, shouldn't we tell people that we're fasting? That's not what it said. He said, don't fast in a manner. This an attempt to get you more respect in a certain community. You know, the community of faith, well, we, 
Right now, we're just, we're fasting. Hallelujah. We're fasting. Okay, you want to go to lunch? Well, I'm fasting right now. Glory to God. Worse yet. Want to, want to go do something? I can't. I'm fasting and I'm just so weak. <laughs> Pray for me. Grow up. Look at what he said. He said, I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they will ever get. There's a couple of points here I want you to note. That's the only reward. So when you're doing it for admiration from others, that's your only reward. But there's another point I want you to see that there are obviously rewards that come with fasting. See, the enemy wants, if he can't prevent you, he will attempt to promote you. If he can't get you to stay where you are, then he'll move you so far ahead that you don't have the character to sustain the place that he takes you to. So if he can't get you to not fast, he'll try to trick you into getting you to do the wrong stuff while you fast. But if you can do it right, there are rewards. Hebrews says that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I don't know any greater way to diligently seek God than to cut off your food and to seek his face. Now, I'm not just talking about some, you know, super diet. I'm talking about fasting and praying. Taking time to press into the presence of God and talk to God and to listen to God and get in God's word and to separate yourself from the table so that you can hear God. I want you to know that as you fast, that there are rewards that God's going to bring to your life. That He's going to bring to your house. And I also want you to know that you're not just fasting for you, but you're fasting for a generation. You're fasting for a generation of people that need somebody who will say, you know what, we're not going to cover up this lack in our life anymore. We're going to go after God and find out what's wrong, how to get the promises of God produced in every area of our life. I want you to look with me at Ezra chapter 8. Ezra said, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek Him, to seek of Him a right way for us a right way for our little ones. A right way for all our substance. We're fasting to seek a right way for us. A right way for our children. And a right way for everything that God's put in our stewardship. Look at the next verse. It says, For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him. He said, You know what? Uh, we bragged to the king when we were getting permission to come. We bragged to the king that we wouldn't need his support because God is on our side. We told the king, You know what? The hand of our God is upon all those who seek him, and it's upon them for good. God is on our side. Then along the journey, the travel gets tough. And they know where they're going, but they just don't know exactly how to get there. 
I think that's the way it is for a lot of believers is that you get a promise of God and you know where you're headed. You know, you know where he's taking you. Isaiah 32:18. my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. I know that's where God wants our house. I know that God wants my house to be a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling. I, I know that's where God wants to take my family. I just don't know exactly how to get there. Every time I start out and I take a leap of faith and I start walking and I, and I, I obey God and I move towards that, I, I sense that this is God's promise. But stuff happens along the way and, and people start fighting and situations start occurring that, that disrupt the peace. And, and, and we, we end up with our children separated and they're not really serving God and they're not going the right way. And I don't know, but I, I guess maybe that's just not really what he meant. When he said, my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, he must have meant something, some spiritual kind of peace. We know where he's taking us, but we don't know how to get there. That's not a time to make an excuse. That's a time to call a fast. But see, in our society, that's not what we do. We just start covering up. We just start saying, well, you know, ain't very many families at all that have peace. Matter of fact, peace ain't even normal. Let me tell you what normal is across the country on campuses all around the United States. Normal is experimentation with homosexuality. Well, I don't think we want normal. I'll tell you what normal is. Normal is marriages ending in divorce. I don't think we need normal. I'll tell you what normal is. Normal is making excuses for the promises of God not being produced instead of going to God and asking God, what can we do that will allow your power to flow through us? So that we can see what you said performed in our life. There is a right way for us. But most of us aren't searching for the right way. We're searching for excuses to justify the way we live. We live the way we want to live and and we feel good about it. And I'm here today to tell you that I don't think that it's going to produce the end result that you're hoping for. I think that there's something that God wants to do in us and through us and among us. But if we don't understand the call, we're going to miss the opportunity. There are things in our life that we put up with, that we tolerate, that we justify, that I believe that God is saying, no more. I think there's things that we need to deal with. That we need to be willing to change. That we need to be willing to address. That will change the way we live. But it will also out, change the outcome of our life. We're not just fasting for ourselves. We're fasting for our children. We're fasting for a generation. There's a generation of people who have heard the bragging about God. God is good. They heard you talk about how good your God is, but then they also looked at your situation and thought, good God. So the last thing that I want to do is be like that. Isn't it kind of sad that when most people in the church are about as depressed as people who are on drugs? We're about as broken as broken can get, and that is not God's description of His victorious saint. We want God to do it all for us, and we don't want to have to participate. And I'm here today to tell you, 
that if you're going to get the promises of God, you're probably going to have to jump in. We've lost our ability to be moved by things that are unholy. We've lost our ability to feel anything when impurity raises its head. Our kids are so polluted by the things that they listen to and the things that they see, they're actually inoculated to sin. They don't even recognize what sin is. Question, does your 13-year-old really need a TV set in his bedroom? I mean, you wouldn't give him the keys to the car, would you? You wouldn't just say, hey, take off and have a fun time, and by the way, get her going as fast as you can. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, because they're not mature enough. They can't handle that. They, they, they don't know how to respond to certain situations. But yet you'll hand them a laptop and a mouse. They're one click away from destroying their mind. But I need my child to love me. He'll really love you when he's 20. Come on, I'm preaching good now. Everybody except a 13-year-old ought to be enjoying this. We allow things into the environment that, that ought to shock us, but it doesn't move us. We make statements like, well, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. See, I've grown spiritually and I've got to the place where, you know, that, that used to bother me a lot. It used to bother me when, when vulgarity was used constantly. It used to, there's something on the inside of me that just grated a bit. But now I've just learned how to tune that out. We've lost our ability to feel conviction. Jeremiah put it this way. Are they ashamed of their disgusting actions? Not at all. They don't even know how to blush. Therefore, they will lie among the slaughtered. They'll be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. You know, that's pretty heavy-duty stuff right there. I said, that's pretty heavy-duty stuff when God says, you know what, they've lost their ability to even blush. They don't even know how. They're not ashamed of the stuff that's going on in their life. Skirting the line with impurity has got to stop. I'm telling you, in order for us as a body to do what God's called us to do, skirting the line of impurity has got to stop. Now, I'm reading the Playboy, but just, just for the articles. Nobody buys that line anymore. And, you know, in second chair mentality, you know what it is, is that we, we, we find ourselves in an environment that we know we shouldn't be in, but instead of recognizing it and admitting it and dealing with it, we just say, well, you know, at least it's not as bad as what's going on over there. Second chair mentality always compares itself to third chair. Well, we're not as bad as people in the world. I mean, look at what's going on over there. That's just nuts. At least we've, you know, at least we're way better off than they are. It's quiet in here. Look at the next verse. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads. Look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Stop at the crossroads. See, I think a lot of us are at the crossroads in, in, our, in our marriages and on the job relationally, financially, we're at, a, we're at a crossroads and it's time to stop. And ask God, what's your way? 
Matthew 6, 31, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amplified Bible says that His way of doing and being right. Seek His way. That's what we're doing in this fast is we're seeking God's way for us. There's a way for you. There's a way. You, you know, Proverbs uh, 14, 12 says that there is a way that seems right to you, but the end's messed up. The end is death. That's not God's plan for you. We're seeking God's way. God, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to say about this? How do you, how do I respond to this? And, and God, how do I get, you know, I need, I, I need you to understand. I'm not trying to be legalistic. You know me better than that, I hope. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about being legalistic, but I'm talking about having a lifestyle that embraces the presence of God. Well, I'm going to heaven. Well, you realize that there are things that won't keep you out of heaven, but they will keep you out of relationship with the presence of God. You, you, you might be set up, you know, to, to, to spend eternity, uh, you, know, you know, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. But well, what about here and now? See, God life, Zoe life. Jesus said in John 10, he said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance, right? That life is Zoe life, God life, life as God has it. It's more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more healing than sickness. That's the life that I'm in pursuit of. See, I want to see God life in in your life. I don't want to just know that if you get hit by a truck, well, at least you're going to go meet Jesus. I want to know what's going to happen if the truck misses and you keep walking. Can you demonstrate Satan's defeat on a daily basis? Will you get out of bed every day and live a lifestyle that humiliates hell? When the enemy raises his head, will you have what it takes to take it off and to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're serving God. I'm talking about living a lifestyle that's not afraid to say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and deal with purity. We're going to go ahead and, and, and rid ourselves of the impurity and the filth that the world is trying to bring into this environment because God's relationship with me is more important than the ability to pick out any movie I want to see and go to it. In other words, there might be some moments in life when you just have to say, nah, not going there. Why? Because I want to be able to Hang with the presence of God. I want the presence of God to be so thick in this place that when lost people enter the room, nobody has to tell them anything. That conviction automatically begins to stir in their heart. And they find themselves compelled to go to an altar and cry out to a loving God to find the life that He offers them. I'm telling you, I I, I don't want to pastor a, a big church full of compromised people. Just not my goal in life is to see how many compromised people we can gather together in one building. And if it gets to where it's seven of us, but we are totally committed to God, that's who I'm going to be. And I'm telling you that there's things in our life that need to change. Because they brought impurity to us. Because we want the conviction of the Holy Spirit to move on the lost, but it it doesn't even impact us. There's things in our life that we have to let God deal with. There's impurities that we that, that, that we we just need to step up and say, "Well, man, it just don't seem right. This is just not what I, I just kind of want to go to church, and I, I, I kind of want somebody to tell me everything's going to be cool and I'm doing good and pat me on the head and and send me back out here. The wrong house. 
He said, I want you to have victory. Oh, some of this stuff, some of this stuff can't, it really, it, seriously, this stuff can't really matter that much. Come here, bro. It's going to be my hand. It's not that big of a deal. Take a big drink. Big. Mmm, that good. Isn't that good? Scott, take a drink. Oh, he doesn't want to. I don't blame him. He put his tongue in there. I'm telling you, it was Josh. Take a drink. It wasn't really a drink. That's kind of it's kind of, it's kind of dainty. T- take a drink. That's what I'm talking about. Get your lips right down in the hole. That's awesome. Todd, Todd, take a drink. Do it. Oh, look. Let me help. I'll baptize you right here. Did you get any? Okay. Want a drink? You don't want a drink? Want a drink? Here. (laughs) Want some? What do you mean, with? You want a drink? You don't want it? Huh? You want some of this? Mm. Want some? Oh, so purity does matter. We care about this. We care about this. Well, I don't want to drink after him. He might have germs. Don't you understand? Don't you understand the Holy Spirit? Purity matters. Well, it's just a little thing. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if it matters to you. We're going to God and asking Him, What's the right way for us? There's the right way for you. And I'm telling you, there are some things in your life that God wants you to push aside to make room for Him. There are some things that He wants you to say no to so you can say yes to Him. There's mindsets and Belief systems and activities that you participate in that God's saying, wait a minute. Seek me first. It's one thing to be cleansed, but it's another thing to be whole. God is saying by His Spirit that we need to be willing to be broken. So that he can make us whole. But without that heart, without that mindset, without that willingness, we're just going to stay in that chair of compromise. I know what the fear is. Oh, it won't be long till you're telling us we can't wear makeup and we've got to put our hair in a bun. 
Have you seen the tattooed flesh that's on the platform around here? I'm not talking about some legalistic mindset. I'm talking about a heart that says, you know what, God? I don't care if I ever see another movie if it'll make more room in my life for your presence. There are some things that own you. When God wants to be the one. We have to, during this, during this season of fasting, we have to go to God and cry out to Him. We have to be willing to allow God to break us so that we can be made whole. There's a right way for us and a right way for our children. There's a right way to handle everything that He's put in our stewardship We're not just fasting for us. We're fasting for a generation. I'm telling you that there's a generation that wants to see God. They don't want to play God. They don't want to play church. They they want to embrace the presence of God. And I think that we want to have a hunger and a passionate desire that we will go in full pursuit for the presence of God regardless of the cost. I want to challenge you today. Let God break you so He can shape you. Let Him do a work in you that will change you. He said, you know, all that you've seen and all that you've experienced, forget that. Forget all that. Forget all that. You know, put that Isaiah scripture back up for me, bro. That, the one that Todd used, 43. I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters. I made a dry path through the sea. Look at what God did to get to you. Look at the next verse. Forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Don't you dare be one of them people who settle. I said, don't you dare be one of those people who settle. Well, this is just life and this is just how it is. No, there's something better for you. There's something bigger for you. There's something stronger that God wants to pour into your life. Look at the next verse. I'm about to do something new. I've already begun. Don't you see it? I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just